everyone. I'm Emily. And I'm Vince. And this is the Lighthouse Lowdown. Good timing. One of these days you'll get used to your... No, that was awesome. I'll be the judge of that. I was delayed, but the caffeine spit me up. No, me pointing aggressively. That was the indicator that I was delayed. (laughs) <laughs> you didn't look ready to be, so I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> All right. This is a very special episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but <laughs> Ooh, yeah! Yeah! Yes! Lighthouses! Lights! We are heading over I'm not I don't have a history buoy because this may be a long episode. It's a two parter that'll mm-hmm. be smushed into one episode. So Let's First go. half is going to be the history of a lighthouse, and then um, after that, well, well, it's a surprise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although it'll be like in the title and in the description. So, mm-hmm. anyway, we are heading over to Lake Superior, which I don't think we've covered a lighthouse on Lake Superior yet, have we? Yep. What do you mean, yep? We have. Standard Rock. Yep. Damn it! <laughs> it was a unique thought. Just now, that happened to be debunked. Yeah, Standard Rock, uh, go look out. Wow. Go look out. Go listen <laughs> or watch the episode for Standard Rock. We have two. Fred Stonehouse yeah. and Carl Lindquist. Yeah, and there's another one where it's just us. So Both are interesting. Yeah, I would say so. We're going to Marquette, Michigan. Nice. Have a location on here. Pulled up a map. Just so you can see the location on Lake Superior. And you can oh, see the line there for um, yeah. Canada. Right Canada. Right down the middle. Yeah. Standard Rock is somewhere middle screen. Just out in the middle. It's like 39 miles offshore. Basically like an ocean. Mm-hmm. Ah, all right. So that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love Marquette. Nice. Yeah. Well, we haven't been there. We need to. We were planning on it, but yeah. it's we've expensive. Looked, we've looked at a couple of things. Are you going to talk about the up 200? What? UP 200. UP 200? Uh-huh. I forget. Uh, something Peninsula. Uh, which one? Don't remember. Oh. Uh, it's in February. I was talking to Fred and Carl. They talked about us visiting, potentially, Marquette. Yeah, yeah. In February, I believe, they do a dog sledding race. Oh, yeah. And I think the end is in Marquette of the UP 200 mile race. Oh. So, pretty crazy, but look that up. That would be cool to see. It'd be hard to fly there in February. Yeah, I've not, or it'd be hard to drive, potentially. There'd be lots of cancellations. Mm. Anyway, in 1844, ore deposits were discovered at Teal Lake, which is just west of current-day Marquette, leading to the very quick development of the area. And where there's development, there is... Lighthouses. Yahoo! 1850, Congress appointed $5,000 to build a lighthouse on the harbor, and they built a 26-foot stone tower with a matching keeper's cottage. And they were separate, so it was just like a lone tower with a keeper's cottage. The the usual, but not That's like nice. what we see today. So it's uh, worth mentioning. A few years later, they added a sixth-order fixed Fresnel lens. And um, that's all I have to say on that. What was the first <laughs> lens? Uh, I think it was not, it wasn't a Fresnel lens. It was like reflectors. Okay. Hang on. That was 1850s. 18, yeah, 1850. Nice. Okay, just trying to keep it in in between the lanes here, between the navigational <laughs> Trying buoys. to get the, the chronological order down. Mm-hmm. Vince and I are having coffee again today. He's got the fru-friest, floofiest, roofy 
Wait. <laughs> I didn't get roofied, did I? The coffee is Surprise. very girly. It says on it, Emily. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because Grande. I picked it up for you like a man. Grande shaken espresso, salted caramel cold foam, whole milk, blonde espresso, double, two pumps, classic syrup, and one vanilla bean. Scoop. Powder, powder. scoop. I don't know what a lot of those things are, but. So did you delicious. see it online and you were like, oh, I'll try that? Or no. did you just, you just went Shout through? out to Starbucks, not a sponsor, but they, you can just go on their website and just go on the menu and then like, click, 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 click. So you, this was of your own, this was your own concoction. Yeah. I would never drive through and order this because oh, I'd yeah. have to say all of these Sp- things. Yeah. Speaking, it would be, be uh, a nightmare. Be vile. Yeah. So clickety click. <laughs> so, so anyways, we're drinking coffee. Anyway, yeah. Back to it. 1861, Keeper Nelson, I think Truckee is his last name, began working at the lighthouse as okay. a head keeper um, and immediately needed to go to serve in the Civil War. So I think he lasted oh a year and then um, was deployed. Yeah. And his wife, Anastasia, who also went by Eliza, took over his duties along with raising their four young children um, until his return three years later. That's crazy. There's actually another girl power moment well, in this po- in this podcast so good in this episode also it's great that he came back yeah and to be fair she is registered for those years as the head keeper so nice. it's not like she just like did his work and then didn't get any credit she's hard-working lady nice the stone lighthouse as we seem to have mentioned a few times six foot tall mm-hmm is not holding up well to the harsh winter of being along the lake mm. which is a common problem. So in 1865, $13,000 was appointed for, quote, extensive renovations. I'm not sure what happened, but they just, there's no record of this anywhere that it was authorized to build a new lighthouse. It always says renovations and like fixing it up, but they built a new lighthouse and there's no real, you know, there's no real. There's no stamp of approval. Exactly. That they were going, like, that they demoed this lighthouse and built a new one. Like, it doesn't say that anywhere. So, it's very interesting. It's like. But it was a whole new tower. Yeah. Totally new. Now now it's a yellow brick keeper's dwelling with an integral stair tower. Uh, square tower. It's a nice way to get a new house. Yeah. So, I put a little picture. 1904. It's really nice. I like the way Marquette is written on that photo. I know. It's very fancy. And you know, it's like someone's handwriting is like legitimate. That. There's like an ink quill going yeah. on. Yeah, you know, um, when you read, like the Declaration of Independence, that was just a man writing it. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. bunch of thirty-year-olds. Go find someone with nice handwriting. It's like everyone had nice handwriting, but it was. Is it because lots of them? Was it part of like being educated? Is that yeah. they made you have nice handwriting? Oh, I don't think so. I think people just took pride in it. I don't think people wrote much, actually. I mean, this is all. Well, it's all letters and stuff. But I don't think they communicate with anybody. Emails, like emails today, are just—it's not the same at all. But there's—it's just technically you're still writing a letter. Yeah. Like, but any communications that were written, I think there weren't many. So when you left your mark, it was significant, and I think it was significant that you would write a book. Or a letter or sign something like the declaration. declaration. <laughs> the, the person writing it, I don't think, I don't even know who wrote it. Was it John Hancock? I want to say it was Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. I should know. I don't know. And I don't know. Sorry, American history. But um, I doubt they knew like the full significance in the future of it. Oh, but right. at the moment, of course, it was a huge, it was, a, you know, it was a 
is a war declaration. Right. And it was Thomas Jefferson, by the way. TJ. U.S. history coming in clutch. That yes. AP history from high school. Is Good job. Swimming around in there still. Yeah. I was so good at <laughs> physics. That was it. Uh, there's another, I have something else to say in a little bit that is like, just shows how people used to talk so mm. differently in the past, or at least when they wrote stuff down, it would be, you know, when you read a letter of correspondence of something um, from the 1800s, it's like yeah. people say like 80 words, people say like three times as many words as they need to, to get a point across. That's how my family writes. Yeah. It's nice. That's how you talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Who knew I'd be a podcast co-host? But anyway, so they built a new lighthouse, and they added a fourth order Fresnel lens. So the sixth order lens, I'll talk about what happened to it later. Shortly after that, they added a steam whistle and an assistant keeper's position. Okay, because they had room probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about. It's a quote from the Mining Gazette, and this was after the steam whistle was added to the lighthouse. It was not... People were not a big fan of this new steam whistle. It says, quote, Sensitive nerves were tortured again last night by the dismal tooting of the fiendish foghorn. This vociferous nuisance is a necessary evil, to be sure. But that consideration doesn't help to reconcile those whom it keeps from obtaining necessary sleep. End quote. Wow. Who was, like, was, who was quoted? That was the, the that author? That was the... Like just the, the whoever editor. was writing the newspaper. <laughs> that was the chair moving. <laughs> so, but that was funny. That I like that. Yeah. And it's just like vociferous complaining about complaining in the newspaper about a steam whistle. Like, just so you know, everyone thinks it's annoying. And then, like, what else did they cover? <laughs> Pre Twitter, everyone not, not everyone yeah. a couple people on a train would read that and nod their heads. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, they'd be drinking their coffee like, mm-hmm, you go, mm, vociferous. I know it. Very vociferous. <laughs> 1875, there was a breakwater built uh, with a light at the end of it to reduce storm waves into the harbor. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago Harbor Light? Yes. It's at the end of a breakwater. So it's basically like they put a bunch of riprap and concrete and whatever else in a long strip across the opening of a harbor, which yep. basically just keeps waves from... Building up all the way until they hit what? I just, I have one of these I'm going to cover. Really? In the not too distant future. Excellent. Yeah, so. there's a lot of a lot of history about this lighthouse. It's called um, Marquette Breakwater Light. But um, I it, think it would be too long to cover along in this yeah. episode. Is it, uh, is it still there? Is the breakwater still there? Yes. Nice. And I think the light is still there as well. Or some in, some indicator, yeah. probably, yeah. The lighthouse, a couple times, has just been washed off the breakwater, mm. and they just pick, they just put it back. Like, it just <laughs> survives, and then they just tow it back and put it That's <laughs> impressive. on the end. The keepers were in charge of running this breakwater light as well. They had to travel. Oh. I know. And they said that there's enough gasoline to run the light for eight days before it needed to be refilled. So they didn't have to come by every day, but obviously they were in charge of that as well. Cool. Remember that eight days for the future. What are you talking it about? It may come up again. It may come up again. <laughs> From in this episode? No. What is going on? You're you're drawing. Are you covering 
Marquette Breakwater life. <laughs> no. <laughs> Remember these things in the future. And this is the other wife story I was talking about. Captain Patrick McGuire was keeper from 1882 to 1893. Okay. I love that he, it was Captain Patrick. That's not, he wasn't Coast Guard, right? No. Not 1800 Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he must have just. Captain. He's a maritime man. His wife, Catherine, was acting as assistant keeper during this time. And women keepers were not allowed at stations with a foghorn. But it was overlooked since Captain Patrick was apparently highly valued in the USLHS. Or at least along the Great Lakes lighthouses. She was allowed to be assistant keeper. And she was actually listed as the assistant keeper during this time. So she wasn't gypped or anything. But... Patrick did her a serious disservice because in 1891, Catherine went to Chicago to visit her sisters and she didn't give proper advance notice that she was going to be out of office. And he told on her at the next inspection, he was like, she did not get express permission to go see her sisters and she was fired. (laughs) 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 Which like, she lives there. She's going to live there anyway. That's got to be a good story. He's probably like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's like, I've got to be a good. I am a I, captain. Yeah, I've got to, to do what's right. And then she gets fired. And he's probably like, oh. <laughs> he probably wrote it in their logbook. Yeah. And then they're going to look through it. Like, you got to be yeah. forthright. But it said that he, he was, he told on her to the inspector um, just out of the goodwill towards his job. That is funny. Loyal, more loyal to his job than to his wife. Committed. He's awfully committed to that job. Yep. And he's like, if you're not going to take this seriously, then you're done. You're done. One of us has to be the captain. In 1893, Captain Patrick was replaced with William Wheatley, who served for five years until his untimely death. At the lighthouse? Yeah. Well, outside the lighthouse. Mm. He took a sailboat out on the lake with Will Brandon, which I can't figure out who that guy is. Just somebody who was with him. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't assistant keeper or anything, but... A squall blew in and overturned their boat a mile from shore. And Brandon made the swim, but Wheatley figured he wouldn't be able to make it because at this time the water was really cold. It was some early month of the year. Uh And so he just like held on to the boat and waited, like hoping Brandon could go get help. But because of the squall, the boat was blown out like far out into the lake, which, you know, the lake. Big lake. Yeah, there's no, it's not. So his body wasn't recovered for two months after that. They found him. Mm-hmm. Do you know, was he still on the boat? It was overturned, so he was just hanging on to it. So I'm sure at some point he got separated from the boat. <sighs> no. But they said that his funeral was um, highly attended by people in the town. Why were they out in the water? Just probably going to somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Also, a mile, swimming a mile, even to survive. That's I really know. impressive. That's what people do in like triathlons. They swim a mile. Where everything's perfect. Yeah. Everything's when, lined and up. And they're starting out their race with a mile swim. Ugh. Scary. I used to be a swimmer, and I only did the mile a couple times, but it was just, it was deadly. I actually didn't know that was a distance. That was a race. Mm-hmm. How uh, laps do you know? I want to say 44. Oh, my God. Wait, let me check. Oh, wow. I've swam for exercise before, and the max I've ever gone is like 20. And that's throughout a whole exercise, not just continuously. Oh, it's 66 laps. Nope. Nope. I'd die. I think the 1,000 meter is 44 laps. 44, yeah. Well, good for him. 
I know. He must have been young. Young and sprightly. But anyway, that's just the loss of one of our At keepers. least one of them made it. That's true. Yeah. Could have been the lighthouse keeper, but it wasn't. Too old. I'm making an assumption there. Maybe he was murdered. <gasps> Maybe he left him out there on purpose. And he just was like, I'm going to swim back now. <laughs> and this guy. I'm going to subject myself to <laughs> swim back. Couldn't even paddle in. Yeah, he probably can't make it, but I can. Interesting. Okay, so that's about 1900. 1890s. Yeah, that was that was um, 1898. Okay. So now we're jumping ahead to 1908. They had a new fourth order flashing lens, which had a red flash every five seconds. Oh, and by the way, that sixth order Fresnel lens that they had originally at um, this yeah. lighthouse. Yeah, what happened to it? It was given to the Marquette Breakwater Light. So it okay. actually had a Fresnel lens. Interesting. Yeah. And at the breakwater, you know, I said they were in charge of that light. And there was also a fog signal over there. And so at this point is when they added the second assistant position in 1910. And to make enough livable space, because now there's three people generally with families, they converted the lighthouse into a duplex. But instead of cutting it in half, they raised it another story. Like they wow. added another. That's an interesting operation. What is it with people in lighthouses wanting to do fancy stuff with construction? Yeah, it's like moving lighthouses and adding levels. That's what I'm thinking. It's like you could have added, you could have just built another tiny house there, but instead they raised, like in this picture, you can see the line where they added the second story. I know. And and it's connected to the lighthouse. So, like, they'd have to do a bunch of structural work. Maybe the foundations on these, because of where they're at near the water, are so crazy that. It's worth it somehow to stay on that foundation. Yeah, like cheaper instead of making more foundation. I don't know. Add more height. That's cool, though. So that when this is 1910, circa 1910. Yeah, or at least sometime after that. But it was before it was painted, so you can see the line where they added more height to the lighthouse slash Keeper's Cottage. Looks like they're radio towers as well. Yeah. And this made it 40 feet tall, so the final height of our lighthouse is 40 feet. From what I've seen... In my own research of Marquette Lighthouse, this is Marquette Harbor. This is not yet recognizable, so I'm interested to see where this goes. Take another sip For reference, I just have an iced coffee with a little bit of sweet cream. <laughs> oh, you couldn't let it finish. Nope. <laughs> 40, 40 feet, is that what you said? Yeah. That same year, something notable, is the 179-foot steamer Luty, I think is how it's pronounced. L-E-U-T-Y. It was actually D. Luty. So I think it was someone's name. D. Luty. It ran aground on Lighthouse Point just outside of the lighthouse. And there's some drama here because the keeper at the time, Kimball, he served for 22 years at this lighthouse. Um, He was blamed by the captain of the ship for the crashing of the steamer. And the keepers are instructed to begin a fire for the fog signal when they hear three short whistles from any traffic on the lake, which like signifies that there's bad weather out Uh there. And it takes 40 minutes for pressure to build up from this in order to start the the fog signal. Yeah. Yeah. And the crash happened 35 minutes after the boat alerted the keeper. So it was just, just barely, they did an investigation and he had heard and started them on time, but. It's just that five sucks. minutes too early to crash before the fog signal started going off. So was it the steamer signaled three times? Yes. So poti- potentially the that fire. was the first signal. 
that the keeper had heard. Yes. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah. And then they also started the steam whistle that was on the breakwater light, but mm, they but said the, the, they said they didn't hear it. You can't really blame anybody but, there. But the keeper at on shore, uh, maybe it's louder on the boat because the water is moving around it. I was going to say, but the keeper on shore at Market Harbor Light, which is not breakwater, mm-hmm. heard the three signals from the ferry, the steamer. Yeah. So one heard the other, but. He didn't hear that. Yeah. The remains of the steamer, the wooden remains, are a popular dive spot. Oh, right cool. Now. So, And they put a buoy on it for divers to be able to find exactly where to dive. To I would love to do that. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? That's cool. I've always wanted to dive around a shipwreck. That would be so cool. It's probably quite shallow as well. This was, uh, I want to say 40 feet down. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It'd probably be creepy. I think it'd be spooky. Anyone die on the steamer? I don't know. It didn't say. Hopefully not. I don't think so because it's pretty shallow of a, pretty shallow. (laughs) (laughs) 1932, a series, and we actually talked about this before, a series of radio telephones were established to connect offshore lighthouses. And this was Standard Rock, Manitou Island, Passage Island, and Rock of Ages. A side note, Rock of Ages was one of the Fresnel lenses that we showed in that history buoy a few days ago. A few days ago. A few episodes ago. And I was like, Rock of Ages. I wonder what that is. That's weird. Yeah. It's, like it's one of these offshore, like super isolated, super segregated lighthouses. Interesting name. Yeah. Um, but these radio telephones connected all of these lighthouses to Marquette. And after November 1st, any mail for these lighthouses were sent straight to Marquette. And then the keepers would read the mail that are supposed to go to the other lighthouses to them over the radio telephone. Oh, cool. I'm like, that's so cute. They're like, we're going to expedite this. Yeah, like we're not sending. technology. Well, it's like, you know, it's sometimes we talked about it in Standard Rock. It'd just be solid ice out there. You, there's no way you can get a tender out there. So you just yeah. read them their mail from Marquette. I wonder if they sent mail the same way. You know, send a message from Standard Rock to Marquette Harbor that we need. Yeah. Our rations were spoiled. Yeah, I bet so. I bet they would do that, yeah. Interesting. 1965, the lighthouse was painted its very recognizable red day mark. Boom. Oh, yeah. That's what we like to see. That's a good color, red. Yeah, there's a name for it. I can't remember what it is now. It was like, it's a strange, uh, strange name for the red color. Rustoleum makes a red a lot like that. Rust what? Rustoleum. It's a uh, paint brand. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm surprised they'd use such a bright color for, for this lighthouse, the outside of it. You know, we're used to seeing that on... Even the rails. Like yeah, the I know. handrails in the walkway. So much fun. A lot of red. I love this color. Like a fire engine red. Yeah, I know. Big fan. In 2002, a 30-year lease was finalized between the Coast Guard and the Marquette Maritime Museum to turn the bottom level of the lighthouse into a museum and then the second level was to be renovated to its original state when it was first built i think okay but i am not sure that they've gotten around to doing that yet so the second 2002 30 year lease renovations okay yeah oops Uh, nowadays it has a white flash every 10 seconds i couldn't find exactly when the switch was made because i Mm. the uslhs didn't have a lot of um light list information on this one okay But in 2016, the lighthouse was officially transferred to the city of Marquette. So they are now in charge of 
uh, maintenance and like doing any renovating. That's nice. Yeah. It's nice that it's kind of. It's kind of uncommon, actually. City ownership of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking, too. But the museum, part of the stipulation of this was that the museum would still need to run tours of the lighthouse. Mm. <laughs> what kind of tours, you ask? <laughs> we have two very special guests that we are going to interview that can tell you all about it. Nice. But just a warning, it's going to be spooky. Oh, that's the part two. Yeah, well, actually, we're just doing it right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're ruining it. It's supposed to be spooky hot, and serious. Hot buttons. Here we go. We got sound. Hello. Hello. Can you guys hear us okay? We can now. Awesome. Yes. All right. Excellent. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Well, I'm Emily, and I've got Vince here on the other microphone. How's it going? Hey, Vince and Emily. Nice to meet you guys. Nice, nice to meet, meet you. you. So I'll just get started by telling you just a very short little amount about what our podcast is. So we're a history podcast. We talk about, it's usually one episode. Um, we talk about one lighthouse and we'll talk about its history and what it looks like and anything like any current events going on. Uh, we just covered the Marquette Harbor lighthouse. And so we intentionally didn't research or talk about any of the spooky things about the lighthouse. So we're hoping you guys can do that for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So if you want to start just by just telling us who you guys are and um, what are your jobs like and all that stuff. Well, I'm Trish Cott, um, the founder of You Paranormal. And I just kind of do the paranormal thing. And Susan and I do the paranormal lighthouse tours together. We do. Um, I'm Susan Hill. I have been with the Marquette Maritime Museum since 2017, first as a volunteer and now as a board member. I do the odd daytime tour, non-paranormal still, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, we focus on uh, on the paranormal tours as a specialty once a month evening tour offering now during the uh, May through October. Perfect season. Yeah. (laughs) Tis the season. (laughs) So Uber Paranormal, is that um, is that like people contact you if they think something's going on and you investigate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, people that, you know, if they feel they have something going on in their home that they can't explain or even businesses, um, they'll message me or contact me on the Uber Paranormal Facebook page. And then we'll go over and use some equipment, see what we get and see how we can help. Very cool. So how did you end up at the lighthouse? <laughs> oh, Susan, <laughs> that's true. So I, um, when I first started off with the Maritime Museum in um, the summer of 2017, I was doing Tuesdays. So three daytime tours on, uh, on Tuesdays. And nothing really overly spooky happened that first summer until the very last day of the season that we were open. It was uh, mid-October and it was my last tour of the season, the last tour for the whole thing of the season. And um, I was locking, have you guys, you've obviously looked at, at pictures of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So there's the tower, the door at the the bottom of the tower, and then the spiral staircase that goes up to the second floor. Mm-hmm. And there is a, uh, a man door that goes, opens 
inward onto the second floor of the lighthouse and that is uh, usually closed we don't access the second floor on our tours because we're currently working on having some renovations done okay. um there's been a bit of ceiling damage and whatnot that we're hoping to have rectified um anyway so i had closed the door i'd left my tour out um the back door looking at the view while i ran in and and secured that door at the end of the tour so i had closed the door and i was barring it with the two two by fours that we keep there to our advanced security system <laughs> but anyway i closed the door and as i was barring the door i heard that man door at the top of the tower stairs creak oh, no. and my brain is going oh man it's really windy outside if it's blowing up the tower and moving the door and then that door slammed and i'm talking it slammed like i can't slam a door that hard it just bam and then my little brain is going this door's already closed. That wasn't the wind. Yeah. Yeah. I can't explain it. I'm kind of feeling a little sick, you know, like I'm panicky. Yeah. And I, I that second two by four down and I ran out of the lighthouse. Like I just, I couldn't explain it. And in my mind, there was no such thing as ghosts at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I told a little ghost story as part of the daytime tour, but I, I wasn't a believer in ghosts. So that's the, the fun story I really was kind of skeptical when I first got on board with the lighthouse so I go running back down to the maritime museum and uh, Hillary Billman our director was there and I said Hillary the door the door just slammed by itself there must be open second floor of the lighthouse so we need to go back up there and close that because that doors don't slam on their own and she looked at me and she smiled this knowing smile mm-hmm. <laughs> gives me when something freaky happens and she says come on susan let's go back up and we'll uh, we'll close the window she says and i'd never been on the second floor of the marquette lighthouse before this moment so that was really cool i was excited to go up there and um so up we went and it's uncomfortable on the second floor something doesn't want you up there mm-hmm. the energy you go up there like it's your fight or flight response kind of kicks in and there's more ghost story to come with that but anyway <laughs> we went room to room and I'm looking for the window um, because I need to close it because it blew the door closed in my mind. There was no windows open. Um, This is 10 minutes after that happened, you know, so it was pretty quick. Nobody else had been up there. And uh, that door that slammed so hard was open again. It was creeped out. So Hillary, bless her heart, um, actually tied that doorknob to the tower stair railing for the following year so that it couldn't slam like that and freak anybody else out. Um, so onward to 2018, they were, uh, the city of Marquette was constructing Lighthouse Park and they were doing some demolition and some paving and a lot of action in the Lighthouse area. And fun fact, construction can really ramp up paranormal activity. Um, and we have all kinds of weird stuff going on up there. You'd hear footsteps walking on the second floor when there's nobody up there. Um, big crashes, almost like if somebody tipped over a big, heavy piece of furniture like a dresser or something, you know, boom, like just shake everything. You feel like pretty much the whole building shake, but there's no furniture upstairs to tip over. So stuff like that. And then the icing on the cake, like my nerves are getting frazzled. I had a couple people on daytime tours that were physically affected by something. And it was happening at the same point in the tour when I was telling the little daytime ghost story, the canned ghost story, if you will, that I just part of the tour all the tour guides tell it and so stuff's going on i'm i'm pretty freaked out the icing on the cake that made me contact you for paranormal (laughs) came one hot muggy awful 
still no wind afternoon. Um, again, it's the front tower door and stairwell. My tour is outside. I closed that door and it was, there was no breeze that day. Like it was just wicked hot. I closed the door and I'm reaching for the first two by four to secure the door. And all of a sudden it got cold in that front oh, tower really? area standing in a freezer. And I'm, the hair just stood up on my arms, the back of my neck. Like the air was almost tingly. It almost felt electric. Like that's the only way I can describe it. And I just kind of froze. Cause I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Like I went from sweating to I'm standing in a meat locker and I'm something's like, it's tingly. And I'm just waiting for something to happen. Cause I'm, what is going on? I've never experienced anything like this. And I had my hair in a ponytail because it was so hot. And all of a sudden, down the back of my neck, it felt like a finger drag. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh, no. I said, remember this like it was yesterday. Oh, hell no. And I, <laughs> bam, and I'm running. And I'm a big gal. I don't run anywhere. I was running. You saying <laughs> So I back down to the museum. I'm white and I am freaked out. Something just touched me and there was nobody there right? Like this is my little brain just can't even process this. So I go down and I, Hillary's there again. I'm like, Hillary, something just <laughs> my neck and it got really cold. And oh my God, I'm having a fit. And she's like, Hmm. And she gives me that knowing look. <laughs> so that was the end of it. Um, I, I went home and I'm, I'm freaked out the very next day, another tour guide named Shannon, who I hadn't seen since like our Christmas gathering. Um, Facebook messages me out of the blue. She says, Hillary told me that I should message you and tell you what happened to me today. So she had the exact same thing happen the very next day. Going to bar the front door, ice cold, tingly finger on the neck. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, hey, this isn't cool. Something's touching us. I'm ready to quit. My nerves are shot. So I had seen You Prepare Normal at the Ishpeming Library um, in, I think, 2017 when I first moved here. And they did this awesome presentation on hauntings and ghosts and equipment. And, and I just thought it was the neatest thing. So I found them on Facebook and I sent Trish a message. And I said, I, probably something to the tune of, please don't think I'm crazy. But <laughs> I volunteer at the Marquette Harbor Lighthouse and we have got so much activity I probably said shit but you know so much activity going on um would you be willing to help us come and check it out maybe tell us what it is because I'm I don't want to be there anymore I don't know what's going to slam what's going to walk what's going to touch me something's touching us now and Trisha's like oh yeah house Friday <laughs> we met up there um that following Friday evening and just during the preliminary like five minute walkthrough I was given Trisha and her team a little a little walkthrough, giving them some history on the building and, and whatnot. They had more activity during that preliminary walkthrough than they had anticipated getting all night. It was really active. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like we heard there was voices. They were picking up EVPs. There was, we heard a child singing. Oh, no. in this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Trish just had the most amazing disembodied <laughs> scream that she captured up there on video on Saturday. Oh. Check out the You Prepare Normal Facebook page. You can hear it without oh, headphones. Yeah. Yeah, super, super cool. Um, yeah, so during the preliminary walkthrough, Trish was like a kid on Christmas morning, like <laughs> so much. And so she came back again and she brought more equipment and got tons of evidence. And uh, then COVID happened and the lighthouse was hurting financially because we're strictly volunteer um, based, you know, and we couldn't take nearly the number of people through on our daytime tour. So we were trying to come up with an idea to, to make some better money, help out. And I said, why don't we do a paranormal tour? People love that stuff, right? Yeah. Everybody likes 
you know, ghost shows on whatever. And so I reached out to Trish and she's like, that'd be cool. And we did our first one, I think in 2019, mm-hmm. started them in 2019, maybe even a little before COVID, we took a run at that. Did we, I guess we yeah. must, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then ramped it up and did it regularly during COVID, but it was, um, a huge hit (laughs) sold out um, well in advance. They usually sell out the month before and we only take 10 people maximum because we want people to have a a unique and authentic experience. And if you have too many people, you're not going to hear stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. So 10 is kind of the maximum because yeah, footsteps and stuff. It can be hard to hear if you've got too many around and they're chatting and and whatnot. So that is how Trisha and I came to, Mm -hmm. and then we just hit it off and became great friends and, yeah. One night she's like, hey, these people are having some weird ghost activity in their house in Nagani. Do you want to come with me? They're seeing a child crawl out of the ceiling. And I'm oh, like, okay. wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. So a beautiful friendship was born. Yeah, that'll yeah. bring you closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to make her go on all the haunted things with me. <laughs> Even if she's kicking and screaming. Yeah, I'm a chicken. I'm not very good at that. But uh. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. So do you usually get a lot of activity on these tours or does the large room kind of scare them off? Mm-mm, no, they, um, our ghosts are extremely intelligent and we have a great working relationship. And this is going to make us sound crazy, but we'll go in there. And Trish usually goes in about an hour before um, the tour and sets up equipment and whatnot. And she'll, you know, they know why we're there. We've said, you know, we're, we're doing this as volunteers. We're doing this to make money, to fix the upstairs ceiling. Mm-hmm. We're doing it for you guys. Cause if this lighthouse falls down, you have nowhere to haunt. So help us help you. Uh, if you could slam a door, if you could, you know, make a little noise, um, walk around, interact with our equipment a little bit, then these people are going to tell their friends and they're going to come on a paranormal tour and we're just going to keep making money and we're going to be able to do these repairs. Um, so Thinking back to like the late 1800s, a lighthouse keeper was making about $400 a year, $450 a year. An assistant keeper was making $250. And I'm telling them, you know, these people are paying $25 each to come up for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. So help us help you. And they're awesome about it. They will. They're working. It's <laughs> a lot of people leave there with, with a whole different mindset on the paranormal. Um, wow. We've come and leave as believers they everybody gets to have an experience when they come yeah that knowing look yeah <laughs> you talk you started off with you know don't call me crazy right yeah oh, that's awesome i always ask at the start of a tour who doesn't believe in ghosts those are my people like you we're going to talk at the end of the tour and we can't guarantee you know that they're going to have activity and there is the odd time that nothing happens and we get ghosted um <laughs> But for the most part, they're really good at doing something that the guests can't explain. But even if they don't have, say, a paranormal experience, um, just Susan telling the history of it, people are just loving that. They they love hearing about the former lighthouse keeper or um, when it was built, who, you know, what happened there. Yeah, yeah we tried them to... Um... I'll tell a few stories on the way up. Usually Um, I'll pick them up at the museum and walk them up and I'll tell, you know, my top few ghost stories and I'll introduce them before we go up to the three major player ghosts that we interact with the most and who we hope they're going to meet tonight and, uh, and give them a little bit of housekeeping information as well. You know, you're welcome to take pictures. You're welcome to take video. Please turn the ringer off on your cell phone. Um, One of our ghosts does not like people answering calls. 
in that lighthouse. Interesting. And he scared the holy hell out of a man a few years ago who kept taking phone calls. And it was probably my favorite ghost story of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of the best lesson in cell phone etiquette I have ever witnessed. It was glorious. Um, I was ready to throw the guy's phone in the lake by yeah. the time this happened. A well-deserved scare. <laughs> it was. So we gave him a little, you know, this is hoping we're hoping you're going to meet these three tonight or one of them. Maybe we'll see who's around, but but they kind of have an idea what's going on before we get up there. And then anything that happens, you know, be it Trish has some really great equipment that um, especially our little child ghost, David absolutely loves anything that lights up. Trish always has really good luck with the stuff that lights up. He'll, he'll run down her string of EMF detecting lights and show the guests how fast he is. Um, he will, he loves it when the tour sings for him. So we'll sing, row, row, row your boat. And we actually have footage of, um, Trish had her SLS camera there for a tour and Trish and the tour had the SLS camera at one side of the room. And I was standing over by the door and we were trying to get David to um, come and stand with me for a picture. And the tour sang for him. And sure enough, there's a little stick figure beside me on the SLS camera. He held my hand. He waved at Trish when she asked him to. Um, And you guys can actually watch that on YouTube. If you, uh, you look up you prepare normal. Trish Cotts on on YouTube there as a clip of that that was taken right off the Facebook live as it happened so wow, that is crazy yeah amazingly interactive David is my favorite little ghost I know you're not supposed to have a favorite but I <laughs> <laughs> he's always willing to show the tour how fast he can run and he loves toys and and uh yeah he rolled a truck for us one night and oh gosh he doesn't yeah. have to he loves to sing. We've had EVPs of him singing in the stairwell. And Trish always leaves reporters going throughout the lighthouse. Um, so even if we're not in the room, she's going to pick up whatever's going on in there. It's really neat. So we've got a great EVP of, we're in one room talking and this recorder was in the next room and you can hear someone scream, get out. And oh, I no. would have died. No. <laughs> I would have gotten out and I probably wouldn't have come back. But so Trish is really savvy about this. Like she keeps her recorders going and gets lots of cool evidence when we're not stuff you're not going to hear as it's happening. Mm-hmm. So there's you said there's three main uh, ghosts that you're hoping people will meet. And one of them's David. And then yes. the other two, so we, are they, is this are these names you gave them or is this like you do you have some insight to maybe their past lives? Absolutely. Um, David is the only one we don't have the origin of. And we got his name through um, him giving it to us through various equipment, as well as different mediums that have read the lighthouse. So David didn't live there. He apparently drowned nearby very quickly and traumatically when he was about two. And that is just heartbreaking. Um, But he the lighthouse was the closest building to where the accident happened and he attached to it. And he's been there ever since. And he's a happy little fella. Um, we'd love to cross him over because it's just sad to me that, you know, he's there instead of with his family. But apparently um, sometimes when a drowning like that happens so quickly, they don't even realize what happened. Right. I don't know. I, that's more Trisha's department than mine. <laughs> but but the other two and there's literally layers upon layers of spirits up there. We've been told we have just scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. Tons going on that we haven't interacted with, including the screaming lady. <laughs> we have a lady keeper that isn't there all the time, but she'll pop in and she's wonderful. And then we have a keeper, an assistant keeper, who actually is the only person to have died in the lighthouse. And that's our biggest, strongest ghost. So if you want a little history on them, I can toss you a little history. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. 
Okay. Um, the lady keeper is Eliza Truckee, and she was actually with the first lighthouse in Marquette. So the one that was built in 1853. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a separate house and a tower structure, and it was made primarily of wood. So it lasted less than 10 years because that's a bad spot to be building anything out of wood. Um, so the one that is currently standing there, the big red one was built in 1866, which you guys probably know. But Eliza was with the first lighthouse. Her husband, Nelson, was the keeper. And um, and they lived there with their, I believe, four children at the time. Um, Nelson felt the call to go fight in the Civil War. And, um, and off he went. He left Eliza with four children under the age of 10 and expecting number five. And she became the acting keeper for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> At that point, um, the wick on that lens had to be trimmed every two hours at night, if you can imagine, and not fueled up. And you're hauling water from the lake, you're keeping house, you've got all these little kids, and you're pregnant. I I don't know when she slept. Um, She was amazing. She developed a great rapport with the natives in the area, and uh, they nicknamed her Mother of the Light. Her inspections, the Surprise Lighthouse Service inspections, were always perfect. They never caught her in a mess or disorganized. And uh, yeah, she did a whopping good job, not knowing if Nelson was alive or dead most of the time. So when he finally came back after the war, um, he had taken a musket ball to the lake and could no longer be the keeper. So you'd think that she would be the logical choice for a replacement because she's just done it for three and a half years perfectly. But the U.S. Lighthouse Service told her that a woman cannot possibly be a lighthouse keeper. (laughs) Yeah, and they gave the job to a man with no experience. Man. Yeah, that irritates me every time I tell that story. <laughs> so Eliza, um, she likes the tourists, and she loves to watch the tours, and she'll pop in and out. She's not there all the time. but um, We recently, probably a month ago, had four of Eliza Truckee's great-great-granddaughters visit us. Wow. Right? How cool is that? They, um, they contacted the museum, and the museum contacted us, and we met them and gave them a private tour, and... And because uh, Trisha's had really good luck talking to Eliza with her equipment. So Eliza, sometimes she really likes Trish. I don't have much to do with her, but she really likes Trish and her equipment. She follows me around in the lighthouse. I carry a recorder with me as well as have them placed all around the lighthouse. And when I get home and listen, she's just chattering behind me and oh, man. talking. And there was one time I had put one in the kitchen and she's well aware of what I do and you know, what to do with the recorders. But I told her. And so I went back to listen to it. She says, I heard you. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't attitude. (laughs) Yeah, she's, uh, she's really cool. So sometimes we get her, it's if she's there. Um, But the major player who's there all the time, um, it is his lighthouse, and he is still working is second assistant keeper Adam Byron Sales. And he passed away in the late house in the 1940s, the late 1940s, um, from a cardiac event upstairs in his room um, overnight while he was sleeping. Uh, He was himself in his 40s when this happened. So he passed very young. And he is a very strong presence there. He's he's not a big fan of the tourists because they're interrupting his work day. Um, Fan of women either. So we've kind of, come to an understanding <laughs> over the past few years. And he's, he's the one that seems to really understand the monetary side of things. Right. He had a really colorful history with the lighthouse service. He worked at Split Rock Lighthouse as well for a bit. And uh, 
yeah, he was married a couple of times and uh, there was some bootlegging rumors Ooh. circulating. Um, yeah, he's, I've read through all his um, letters between him and the Lighthouse Service. He was an interesting character, um, but in, in poor health as well. He was a type one diabetic and, and often ill and whatnot. So he's still there and he's working. And if he's in the mood, he'll, he's told us how he passed. We've got an EVP of him telling us heart. When we asked how he passed, he will say his name. He will say his son's names um, just to kind of show the tour who he is. Yeah. And our director, Hillary, has actually put a framed picture of Keeper Sales and his sons in the lighthouse now, as well as a map of the park cemetery in Marquette showing guests where he's buried. And, oh, that's nice. And, yeah. Yeah. So he's uh, he's very, very strong. Nobody slams a door like Keeper Sales. So <laughs> there's uh, one tied up shut and one has been removed from the hinges to... Um, yeah, stop yeah. that from happening. It's like you don't get to do this anymore. He really <laughs> understands the economics. It's really hard on your nerves, right? When you're standing there and a the door just bam it yeah. oh. footsteps the other night sounded like a like boots yeah. on hardwood floor. Mm-hmm. Very loud, very heavy. Yeah. Trish and I got run out of the lighthouse last summer by keeper sales, actually. we we think it was him anyway. We were gonna stay late and investigate after one of our tours. And um he gave us a lesson in, I don't want you here and I'm going to scare you right out of this lighthouse. So he sure did. Yeah. (laughs) As we were leaving, like so much, a flurry of activity happened that just, I was, I've never been so scared in my life, but as we were hustling out the door, because we were done, um, I was just about to close the door. And from the basement of the lighthouse, we heard a man's disembodied laugh, like, and nothing rattles me really, but that did. It did. And Trish looked at me and she's like, did you hear? And I said, yep. <laughs> and we booked it down those steps like something was chasing us because it felt like something was. He was having a uh, wonderful laugh at our expense. Oh, yeah. Huh. I was never going to go back in the lighthouse again that night. I was done. Um, but here we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I keep coming back. Susan, do you think it was him that uh, touched your neck that day outside of the door? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So fun story about that. We actually had a a medium confirm that for us. I thought um, for a couple of months after that happened, I thought the other gal that got touched is a huskier gal as well. I thought he's got a thing for the plus size ladies. (laughs) He's getting fresh with us. And Trish had told me to go in and tell him, you don't have my permission to touch me. Do not lay hands on me again. And I did that. And he's never touched me again. A medium was communicating and reading the lighthouse. And he told her, that he was trying to push us down the stairs. He thought it was funny. I went in there after I heard that and I was mad. You don't try to push people down the stairs. How rude are you? I was slightly offended as well. Yeah. <laughs> Want some company. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I thought you found me attractive. I guess not. Um, <laughs> you never know how people express themselves. Right. So he's, he's quite the character. If he's in the mood to talk and perform, we'll get oodles of evidence. But if he's not feeling it he'll just stonewall us and we get nothing so can you always tell who is visiting you during the tours like is it um like a trademark for some of them to be doing something specific i think he's the one that we hear the boots walking yeah we'll hear him walking um he'll talk to us as well like if we get when he shows up or when he wants to talk everybody else kind of backs off like he's so strong that the rest of them seem to excuse me, just kind of defer to him when it's his time to to talk. Um, I think Eliza, I feel like I can feel her around me. It's like a feminine energy. And 
like if I listen back, I can hear her talking to me. And I think she likes what we do I think because we're women probably, you know? Yeah. And David, I, I have a great rapport with little David, him and I get along wonderfully. Um, and he's always in the basement for the most part. Um, if we go down there and there's lights and toys and stuff, that's mm-hmm. where we're going to get him interacting. And you can, his energy is really warm and it's tingly and you can feel him around you. It's the neatest thing. And he'll move around the tour. He's curious about people. Somebody might get a little pinch or their hand grabbed or, or just feel like almost warm air swirling around you. Mm-hmm. We always tell them to watch for the spider web feeling as well. Cause that can, I mean, granted there are some big spiders up there, but <laughs> if that spider webby feeling that can be paranormal energy moving around. So, so is there anything specific that you have to do on your tours that elicit a response or is your presence alone enough? Yeah, we don't really like have to do anything. They're, they're always there pretty much. Um, if they don't want to talk to you, they don't. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's not a command performance, but they know, you know, we're up there. We only do it once a month. We tried once a week, um, the one summer and that was, they didn't like it. Like they were like, mm-hmm. seemed annoying almost yeah, yeah. Um, it was for them and they just started ghosting us. And so we backed it off to once a month and they seem to tolerate that pretty well because they've got three daytime tours coming through as well yeah. that don't focus on them and aren't, you know, trying to communicate with them, but it's still an interruption in their day. And, and when we go in before the tour or I do, I'll spend an hour with them and I just tell, you know, just kind of remind them that, you know, we're going to have people coming through here. You know, I hope that's okay. But, you know, they're doing it because they want to learn about you. They want to learn about the lighthouse, but they're also paying money to do it. So they get something out of it too. And I feel like they respond to that, like that we're, that we, we acknowledge that they're not like people aren't there to mock them or um, mm-hmm. make fun of them or anything. And I, I do think yeah. that, they like that, that we respect them right. very much done in a very respectful, non-provoking manner. Yeah. And we're very careful about who comes in and how they act. Yeah. Um, other paranormal teams, um, some of Trisha's friends, paranormal teams that are she's friends with have come in with her. Um, but we don't let, you know, just Joe Blow and his team from wherever come in and investigate. Yeah. We don't know what people are going to do or invite or provoke and. And they're, it's wonderful up there. They're just wonderful. So we are very careful to protect them. That's good. That's awesome work. So Trish, it sounds like you said you spent about an hour setting up before setting up your equipment. And then my curious mind is thinking about all this data. How do you go through all of the recordings and all of that after the fact? The hard part. Like I said, I, I was just there Saturday night. And what I'll do is we got that scream. And so that's the first thing I wanted to check out was what I caught it on that way, you know, that, that's kind of, that was the highlight of that night. So I already know I have that. I, I, I listened back, I can hear it. So then now I can take my time listening to the recorder. So I'll just, while I'm cleaning the house, I'll throw a recorder on, listen to it while I'm cleaning or when everyone's asleep at night, because I have adult children that won't move out. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is it is daunting sometimes. You you literally start falling asleep from the white noise from the recorders. And it's hard to go through literally an hour without wanting to go to sleep. Yeah. Got to take that work home with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you guys are close, it sounds like. So you get together and kind of talk about what's going on with the analysis and, and maybe what you heard that month on the tour. Or does that just kind of come up in natural 
Susan can't come for whatever reason, I'm messaging her. We heard this. We heard that. Yeah. This, actually, this weekend was a great example of that. The um, Maritime Museum and Lighthouse just had, we did our big Halloween fundraiser that we do every year. It's called the Ghosts of Lighthouse Point. And uh, we do it for three nights and it's all volunteer driven. So the entire grounds of the museum and lighthouse are set up with different stations of volunteers portraying um historical figures but the ghost version and just some spooky creepy halloween fun like werewolves and whatnot rounds and we have tours that go every 15 minutes um with volunteer guides that are also dressed up and carrying spooky lanterns and and so they'll take people all over to each station and then it the pinnacle is coming up to the lighthouse and coming through so this year we had um a couple of volunteers portraying nelson and eliza truckee yeah yeah and then uh, a man portraying keeper sales yelling get out of my lighthouse from the dark (laughs) then they come to the tower at the end and i am on the tower stairs all creepy and uh ghosted up and uh, either being a crazy woman or with a cardboard sign that says kissing booth two souls no refunds <laughs> and then they walk out the front doors and back down and that's the end of it so we did that for three nights um from 7 to 10 p.m and hundreds and hundreds of people had come through and then trish was coming up saturday night after we were done with um, a team that she's friends with from wisconsin and i bowed out because i was just whipped from staying up late mm-hmm. a few nights in a row and and um I knew they were going to have a good time because when I was in the tower, I heard footsteps above me coming towards the door, big, heavy footsteps. And I yelled down to Eliza Truckee, our volunteer, and asked if her husband was upstairs. And she says, no, he's right here. And mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> it was also really windy and the lake was really roaring. And that's between all those people and the waves being big, that's going to give you some good activity typically. And sure enough, Trish heard the same big footsteps with that team. So, But when she's not there, I get, I'm like, oh, I know Susan would love this. And so I have to mess her <laughs> everything that's going on. I'm like, it's three o'clock in the morning, but I don't care. No, yeah, anyway. I <laughs> read that message. Heck yeah, that was great. <laughs> so besides the things that you, you've mentioned, has there anything that's been really shocking? Like anything that like you've been le- leading a tour and you've been shocked by something that happens? Oh, the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> I would say the the secret word game, oh, the yeah. nub story. Um, so Trish came up with a way to to interact with the ghosts, basically. Um, and we we played what's called the secret word game. And so we will um, when when we're up at the lighthouse and Trish is setting up, we'll come up with what the secret word is going to be for that night. And sometimes we'll let somebody else pick it. You yeah. know, it can be random sausage. You know, whatever, like just a random word. Well, a couple of years ago, I, I lost my dog. Um, my beloved Nubs was her name and she was so sweet. And oh. I lost before we did a paranormal tour. And so we were setting up and I'm, I'm telling the ghosts how horrible my week has been. And my dog passed away. And our secret word tonight is going to be Nubs. Because that's not a common word that you're going to get through a radio frequency or a random app. You know, that's a hard one to debunk. And so I, we always say, remember it and repeat it later, please, if you could. And that'll show the guests, you know, how, how good you guys are, that sort of thing. And yeah. sometimes they're not in the mood to play the secret word game, but probably seven out of 10 times they're going to play because oh, they wow. like it. But I went down and picked up the tour and I'm telling them my dog just died and I'm starting to cry and I'm oh, like, okay, no. rain it in, you know, <laughs> like, so we're going to play the secret word game when we get up to the lighthouse and our word tonight we already told the ghosts up there. I'm telling you guys now, our word is nubs. And that was the name of my dog. And they're like, okay. And I'm 
I'm nuts. They're not wrong. Anyway, so we go up, we're doing our thing. Um, towards the end of the tour, we went down to the winch room in the basement and Trish, um, I can't remember what you were using. One of your apps, I think. Yes, it was a phone app that I was just trying out. Like a spirit box app she was trying. And, um, so we're getting random stuff coming through and, and she said, do you remember the secret word from earlier? Can you, can you say it? And we're getting garble, garble, nothing, you know, and she asked again and I had my phone out and was doing Facebook live um, from, and sure enough, right on Facebook live nubs comes through. Clear as anything. And I, of course, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so we cropped that down and that's on the YouTube channel as well. But interesting enough, we heard them say nubs four times that night in different spots in the lighthouse with different equipment. So, and to this day, they may not, you know, tell us the name of so-and-so on the tour or, you know, the secret word that night, but I can often say, what was the name of my dog that passed away? And we'll get nubs. Wow. So there was a moment where something kind of shocking happened when Susan did the very first um, late night investigation with You Prepare Normal and we had a news crew with us (laughs) and... (laughs) There was a man who came over the spirit box and said, hello, Susan. (laughs) We actually, there was a TV crew um, doing a Halloween special and that's on YouTube as well. We can email you guys the link to that. If you want to watch it, you can watch the horrified look on my face. Uh. Oh my God. I was so scared. Anyway, now when it happens, it's like a party trick and we know who it is and it's like, Hey, how's it going? But that first time, Oh my God. She was white as a ghost. ghost. (laughs) pretty freaky but yeah as soon as you go in that lighthouse they know who you are and i don't know how that works but they um quite often they'll give us the name of somebody on the tour we can say what's this person's name or it's super weird they said one of the names of one of the girls that was with me saturday very clearly and they'll get fancy and they'll give you a last name sometimes too (laughs) yeah or what somebody does for a living the one gal the one time they uh they said weed and she was a bud tent yeah (laughs) That's yeah. crazy. Has any, has anyone on the tour ever just freaked out and been like, I'm done, I'm going to leave? Or Yeah, people leave sometimes um, because it's powerful. If they get really close to you, you get physically affected. Like you can have a headache. You can start to feel some shortness of breath. And, and we ask them, you know, if you feel that, please let us know and we'll go outside and get some fresh air. Um, but yeah, we have had people really uncomfortable and leave because it's just, it's real. And sometimes I think people don't realize that it's the real deal. Yeah. And that's overwhelming i remember coming leave as soon as he got to the door yeah he he did he was having chest pain right out of the gate that could be the 46 stairs to get up there too (laughs) but uh definitely could be that but yeah so you can the moment you walk in you can feel it's not your normal energy and and sometimes a couple tours ago here we had a new i don't know there was an energy up there that we haven't run into before and it was very strong and it seemed very curious and almost invasive and it was right up on us yeah. and it was just a lot. And we kind of wrapped up and departed because I don't know who it was. It wasn't our typical peeps, but we didn't really want to. No, know. I got it was just a, intense. a headache, a really bad headache and very nauseous. I, I've never been that sick to my stomach. Yeah. And it was just, whoever it was, was just very, very strong and they were right curious about what we were up to and because of that closeness it was you know how when you tell you can tell someone standing over your shoulder yeah it literally felt like there was someone standing looking over my shoulder it was yeah. very uncomfortable kind of breathing down your neck like yeah. it was like what are you doing almost like it was just really weird didn't yeah. like it but 
wasn't there the last few nights, so that was good. That's good. <laughs> That's really interesting. Are most of your guests on these haunted tours, are they guests that have been on the other tour that is more standard, or are they kind of standalone? It depends. We actually have had, um, so the tours are 18 and up, just to be clear. We don't let kids on the paranormal tours. Um, a lot of people have come specifically to town for the paranormal tour. We've had some people coming in um, from out of town just to do that. So we always recommend that they visit the Maritime Museum the next day, you know, and grab a daytime tour if you want the more history as well. But we do have some locals that come up as well. And and uh, we have some locals come up for the paranormal tour that have never done a regular lighthouse tour there. And they live there for well, a lot of them. They see it on Facebook on the Uber paranormal page right. and they're like, Oh, I want to try that. And mm-hmm. then some of them come back every time. Yeah. Yeah. We have people oh, that'll wow. come on normal tours because they liked it so much. So that's kind of neat. That's amazing. That's really special. It's never the same. Yeah. Are they, uh, does the time of the tour vary as well? Kind of depending on how you guys are feeling and how things go. It's it the date of the tour is usually subject to our schedules. In the summer, yeah. we got to find a night when we're both free to do it. But we usually try to stick with seven p.m. Um, we don't want to be up there in the dark. When I say we, I mean I don't want to be up there in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> the vibe changes when it's dark, and it's almost like when it gets dark, they don't want you up there. That's their time. Get out is kind of the vibe I get. So um, we try to keep it. This last one that we did in September, it was getting pretty dark when we wrapped up about nine, and I was. Come on, folks, let's yep. move it out the door. Let's go. <laughs> People are like, oh, it's really spooky up here in the dark. I'm like, get out. Because <laughs> I don't want them to have that maniacal laugh experience that will make them have nightmares for weeks. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to scare them to the point where they tell people not to do it. So we try to keep it to early evening seems to be a good a good time. But some of the coolest stuff I've seen up there or heard up there has happened in broad daylight, Tuesday afternoon. Like it's nothing to do with it's yeah it's neat i mean they're there during the day they're there at night yeah, they're there all the time all the time so yeah but it's it's neat when you walk in and you hear a closet door slide open but you know you're the only people in the lighthouse <laughs> and there's no one in that room and then you go into that room and you close the closet door and you're like huh, that was neat mm. yeah, that sort of thing um, we had a group of guys that came um they were standing in front of the door when they heard the loud knocks coming from the closet yeah was three there, big boom boom, boom. Scared them a little bit oh <laughs> that one guy was almost hanging onto my leg like a koala it was great <laughs> but uh oh that was the same tour that was the asshole tour yep yes so we were downstairs with these people and there was three young guys um they got the knocks in the closet they were scared from that but we'd said can you tell us the name of this gentleman and through the spirit box we hear asshole <laughs> and his friends are laughing and they're like that's right you know and i was horrified because we've never heard profanity yeah before so anyway that was uh that was new but yeah yeah <laughs> must have been it a was... very special guest yeah <laughs> they at least they found it funny and no one was offended but yeah <laughs> Are you guys going to come up for a tour? Where are you guys based on? Oh, of? we would love to. We're in Kansas City, so we're smack oh. dab in the middle of <laughs> no <laughs> lighthouses at all around us. But yeah, we've got nothing around. But we, we do make a trip about every year to go see a couple of lighthouses. And Marquette's been on our list since we did an interview with Fred Stonehouse and um, Carl oh, Lindquist. Yeah. Well, if you guys come up, let us know, and we would be very pleased to give you a private paranormal tour. And if tour. you want to do a late-night paranormal tour, I'm sure Susan would be more than happy to see it. <laughs> I would love to be up there in the dark with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we would never do that to you. <laughs> you guys want 
can, but no, come on up. We'll take you, uh, take you through and introduce you to our ghosts. That would be amazing. Yeah, we are, we love to cover all of the the haunted, the spooky stuff, and there seems to be so many instances of haunted lighthouses and spooky things going on. And Vince and I have talked about on the podcast. It's like, you know, lighthouses are for guiding people. They're for bringing people to safety or keeping people away from stuff. And so we talked about like when people pass on and they hang out, like they're drawn to the lighthouse because it is a point of guidance for people. And maybe that's why it's so common for lighthouses to be somewhere where they may have permanent residence. I like well, that. Cool. I would have never thought of that, but yeah, it makes yeah, sense. It's awesome. But see ours now, um, I don't know about other lighthouses, but ours, it sits on a quartz hill. It's got that powerful lake right there. Um, it's got so much rich history so I think that's that's why ours is haunted and will be forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. You guys must come check it out sometime. Yep, we will yeah. definitely. It's definitely on our list, high up there. Appreciate you doing the work. Sounds like Marquette's full of special people. I mean, yeah. we're talking with the other two gentlemen, and and then hearing from you guys about all the volunteering efforts, and of course, the story with every lighthouse today is all the maintenance and all the the significance, but culturally every lighthouse that we look at, there's always a good story. There's always something interesting. Lighthouse tourism. I mean, we're a little bit biased, right? But <laughs> seems to be growing and uh, learning more about it. So it's, it's really awesome. I had no idea. I moved here from Saskatchewan um, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also from no lighthouses, no big water. Yeah. And I think that fell in love with it at first sight and wanted to uh, volunteer and be a part of it. But Fred Stonehouse, um, you guys know what a treasure he is. So he is the um, chairman of our board and just, oh, a tireless, tireless spokesperson and, and wonderful man as far as maritime history and that lighthouse. Um, he's a treasure. Well, thank you so much, very, very much for doing this for us. We are very happy to get to talk to you and we're going to post this the day before Halloween. So hopefully our listeners enjoy some spooky content Awesome. Are we able to listen to you guys on any streaming or where? Yep. yep. We're on every, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We got Apple, um, Google, Spotify, Pandora, all of that. We also have YouTube where we post pictures as we're talking about um, anything to do with the lighthouse. So people watch that as well. Awesome. If you send us a link, we would love to check it out. For Absolutely. Sure. And you guys have your Uber YouTube, right? As well as... Yes, you prepare normal. Um, you'll be able to to see our. I think there's. I've only put a handful of videos up there just for lack of time. But the the um, he does all the techie stuff for me. Is up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, secret word game, the nubs thing, and little David on the SLS camera. Those three are up there wow. so far. To um, go on the paranormal page, um, I posted the video of the scream that we captured. Um, it tells you when it's um, when it comes on. So yeah, it, it says I did put rec um, earphones recommended or whatever, but everyone's <laughs> told me oh, can hear it without it. So <laughs> that's scream like that. I've never heard anybody scream up there. So that was new my place. son happened to come with me because he was helping me um, film some stuff for um, another event thing, and um, he was standing out in the hallway and. He, he was actually the one who heard it first and scared the bejeepers out of him. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'll include some links. But yeah, I think I think that's all the questions we had. Okay, well, it was lovely to meet you both. Thanks for having yeah. us on. So nice to meet you. Real pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you.